All right, Sounds everybody, good. welcome back to The Flagrant, an NBA podcast centered around Warriors basketball. I'm Sam Jefferson. Today, I'm here with a good friend of mine, uh, Niasan. Welcome to Hello. the show. Uh, a fellow, yeah, of course, a fellow Warriors fan, someone in my small Warriors Twitter circle. I follow like six guys from high school between us that are always talking about a big Warriors game and you're always on there, which I appreciate. I'm so happy to have you on, dude. Um, yeah. What did you just to get right into it? Not waste any time. What did you think about last night's game against the Suns? You have any initial reactions to the result? I mean, I guess right off the bat, sucks that we lost and like kind of got blown out by the end. Um but I think it was a game where the score doesn't necessarily tell you the whole story. Like, if you look at the score, it felt like a blowout. But like we were saying earlier, it wasn't. It was pretty close until a certain point in the game. It was close. We had, I still remember, I think it was like 66, 69 at one point in the second quarter, which is also something to talk about, that the Warriors have given up three 70-point halves in a row. Uh, I mean, it's just hard to win basketball games. The fact that they are they have won one of those is impressive. But yeah, no, you're definitely right. It was a pretty competitive game in the first half and to begin the third quarter. I thought in the first quarter specifically, I think, I mean, just defensively, it doesn't totally look like what we're used to seeing as spoiled Warriors fans. Uh, Absolutely not. It's And I, I don't know, what do you think is the cause of that so far uh, to begin the regular season? Um, I mean, it's it's pretty bad right now. But to be fair, the sample size is really small. Uh, so it, it would be irresponsible to make like any big conclusions right now about how bad the defense is. But still, it's um, wait, wait, let me put myself on. Doing the <laughs> yeah, as well. yeah, no, you're all uh, good. Um, but right now, uh, one I was just like, looking at stats like because I was bored, like we let rank third from last in points allowed which is pretty nuts because like we were top two defense last year yeah and our offense has been great um as we expected we have a lot of people who can score but it's been a little shaky start on the defensive side but i think i think it'll get better uh yeah yeah. it's it, it wouldn't make that much sense if this sustained you know no i'm with you for sure i'm definitely with you there it looks ugly though like i can't get over some of the the like missed cuts that you have or like two people running out to close out on a shooter i feel like has happened on multiple occasions and it's definitely i'm looking forward to when they turn it around because i mean you just like the other team will walk the ball up like the Suns would walk the ball up last night and I would have no hope in us being able to really stop totally. anything it's like well yeah. they're gonna get whatever they want um and I thought it was funny too DeAndre Aiden had a really good first half and he was definitely yapping at Draymond a lot which I thought was funny I'm sure he's eager to prove that Draymond isn't his kryptonite because Draymond has <laughs> locked up that man I think almost every single meeting with the Suns but he had a good game uh, and we'll definitely get into some of the yapping that happened because that's probably the big story of the game is that, I don't know. I saw, I saw this report from the third quarter that the refs 
totaled 16 personal fouls and seven technicals, which is the most technicals in a game since like the 1996, 1997 season. Um, that is, I did not know that's that. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I know it was a lot. I mean, you watched the game, I'm sure. So, you know, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, Clay yeah, and Devin Booker were like almost half of those technicals <laughs> in the third quarter. Right. And, uh, I wanted to talk about Clay actually. Yeah, let's move to Clay. Yeah, I I think because like he's like the biggest like headline I suppose of the game because he had an he had an off night shooting wise and he got ejected for the first time ever. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, um, I guess um, I early season I guess I'm not too worried about it. Yeah, no, I'm not too worried about Clay either. I mean, he was one for eight from the field, got ejected, was shouting at Devin Booker that he has four rings. I think there was definitely a lot of pride there. I mean, it kind of made sense to me. The way the Suns were talking, you could tell that this game meant more to them than to the Warriors, at least initially coming out the gate. Totally. And then I think around the second or third quarter, DeAndre Aiden started yapping at Draymond and they were talking crap. And so the warrior, yeah, crap. Uh, the warriors, the warriors sort of took offense to that. And you saw it suddenly it was like, Oh, this is a playoff game. This is something mm-hmm. that both teams really want to win. And then of course, after clay went out, I think the Suns went on, I don't know what run they went on, but they ended the game. It never really got that close Crazy except for a little blip in the fourth where it was like 12 mm-hmm. points and five minutes left in the game. But the Suns basically cruised from there, which was, I mean, not too disappointing because it's early season, but I think with Clay, my question is, and I'll ask you this too, how, how important do you think it is to the Warriors' title hopes for him to return to, I mean, people love throwing out percent terms and it's like kind of hard to really think about what is 80% Clay Thompson, like Pete Clay Thompson, but what do you think, how close do you think he has to come to Clay Thompson of old for them to have serious like hopes to win again this year um that's a good question i think his um his offensive game is mainly the same as it was before he came but before he got injured he's a little less efficient like i'm basing this off his stats from last year yeah he's a little less efficient than he was but all of his numbers look almost identical to to what they were before his main, like, I guess, uh, regression is definitely on the defensive side. Uh, but in last year, that kind of was not a problem because we had so much good defensive depth right. on our team uh, with uh, GP2. Like, we all miss him. <laughs> I know. I miss that man so much. I wish he was still on the team. He was such a good character, man. He was, he was such a great, like, addition to the team great defender like obviously that's like everyone knows him by that but he he was he's he played a lot of minutes he was was he the sixth man or close there sixth or seventh definitely sixth or seventh i think so he got a lot of playing time uh, a lot of perimeter defense so that's a big miss and we definitely need someone to fill that fill that hole essentially um and i think we can chalk up some of 
Clay's deficiencies last year defensively to him coming back from, you know, two years of not playing. Right. And, um, but he's also older now. And I don't know if anyone can fully recover from tearing an ACL and an Achilles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and no, that, I agree with that. Definitely. Um, so, um, I would say, I guess if we're going, you asked for a percentage, right? Of, of sure, what he yeah. was before. You just have to spitball one. I know that's not exactly. It doesn't I, I would say like it, defensively, if he got back to 70% of what he was, he'll still be solid because he was a good defender. Yeah. Like, before he got hurt, he was, he was one of the best three indie players in, in oh, the league. Oh, 100%. Yeah. For a long stretch. So if that is the standard, I think getting 70% there, 70% of the way there makes you like pretty solid yes. as long as he gets help. What do you think? And they, yeah, no, that, I think that's a good answer. They do just need him to be pretty solid. The one thing mm -hmm. that I think makes it interesting is that, I mean, Clay Thompson is, I don't know what the exact number is, but he's like a six time all-star He's made multiple all NBA teams. You know, he, yeah, he's definitely not the unsung hero because people know how good Clay Thompson is, but I don't think in certain circles of the NBA, he gets enough credit for the fact that he was definitely. guarding Steph's man every night through the D dynasty mm -hmm. run, which is still going of course, but you know, the opposing point guard, like if they were going up against Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, you know, Clay Thompson is the guy who's going to defend him, not Steph. Yeah, and absolutely. I'm sure it's incredibly frustrating for him to come back and hear the naysayers say stuff like he's not back to what he was when kind of as you alluded to, I'm guessing that a lot of the reason why he's not all the way back to what he was is out of his control. You can't, yeah. you can't just heal the body to a point where you don't have like you have a completely normal ACL and Achilles. The fact that mm -hmm. he even is at whatever percent of Clay Thompson he is on the court right now, both mentally and physically, I think is incredibly impressive. Like he already does. It's really remarkable um, because to even get over the totally. mental hurdle of playing. I mean, I think you might've, maybe you saw this, but he said over the summer, he didn't scrimmage or play pickup mm -hmm. because he was worried about, he said there was a mental hurdle. He had to get over practicing again um, because of what happened to him. Of course, when he tore the Achilles uh, going into that season um last season right or mm -hmm. was it the yeah oh my gosh i'm like i think he tore his acl season, first and then achilles yeah yeah whichever order it was um yeah but yeah no i mean the fact that he's out where he's at is good but i just hope he can hopefully overcome anything that is like holding him back from just like getting to a point where he can just be himself again because he doesn't have to be clay thompson from 2019 um exactly uh he definitely doesn't for us to repeat just has to be a strong three-point shooter and fill in on the defensive end which i think is totally doable he looked pretty good by the end of last playoffs um yeah he he started averaging 20 points by the end of the year well which is you know exactly what you want from him i know offensively and yeah. and he was solid in the playoffs like he was he was never a liability he he was one of the biggest contributors and uh, you you brought up a good point a second ago when you said we don't need him to be 2019 Clay. Yeah. And we don't because the 
I feel like this team is not what it was, like identity wise, uh, yeah. compared to the 2019 team. We have score more scoring options uh, at guard. So many than, than we've ever had. So many. <laughs> so, and we don't have KD obviously, but um, I think Wiggins. I love Wiggins. Yeah, uh, brings a, a very, it plays a very integral role in um, kind of gluing the offense together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and the defense. He's so important to this team, but the team is so different. The dynamics aren't exactly the same, other than I guess Steph is doing what he's always been doing, right? And uh, Draymond's more or less doing what he's been doing. Uh, but yeah, we don't need Clay to replicate exactly what he was doing. Yeah, back then, and we'll still be successful. I think. I yeah no, I think so too. I think, you know, Wiggins has been super impressive, even in this game. Like you saw him come out in that first quarter, and he had like ten or twelve, maybe it wasn't ten or twelve straight points, but he had just had bucket after bucket that kept them in the game early. And I was kind of reflecting on myself because Wiggins used to be someone who would have a very quiet eighteen or quiet twenty. In my eyes, like I'd watch the game and I'd check the box score and Wiggins would end up with 22. And I think, what? Wiggins had 22? Because <laughs> all of his buckets would be so spaced out and maybe they'd come when we were like up 12 and I'd stop paying attention. So it always felt like, oh, no, yeah, he really did have 18. But last year's playoff run and now start starting this season and in this game against the Suns, he just feels so much more aggressive. He's so much more comfortable going in for big mm-hmm. boards, I feel like. He had one play in the Absolutely. first quarter that really impressed me where he like went, got back on, I don't know, someone missed it. And Wiggins went in, scrapped for the rebound. Then he flipped the ball to Clay, like immediately, like the free throw line, and he pulled up and hit a jumper. And it was just the, the exact play I'd seen. What? The only field goal Clay made. Yeah, the only, yeah, you're right. The only one Clay made in the first quarter. It's probably his first shot. And I was just thinking to myself, <laughs> Wiggins is so huge for this team. It, the mm. fact that he's going to continue his play from last year's postseason into this season, which is what it seems like, I feel like he'll be an all-star again, and this time it won't be as controversial. Um, Absolutely. 100% agree. And I think, first of all, we signed him for a bargain, I think. Oh, my uh, gosh, yeah. extension that he got. I did not think we would be able to land him for that much. That was incredible. And yeah, last year you said it was controversial and it was that he was a first team starter, right? All-star starter. I mean, but, um, but I feel like he, I mean, we, the Warriors fans knew like his improvements and, and how he had gotten so good and why he deserved that spot. But I think the rest of the league also saw that during the playoffs. Yeah. And like you said, that is carried over to this season. He's, He's become, I think he said it himself during last season's playoffs, how he'd become way more aggressive with going for boards, like actively trying to do that, which is not something he did before. And th- that translates to, to wins. Oh, totally. He's, he's so integral to our team. On the defensive side, he was, I think, outside of Draymond, our best defender yeah, last season. Definitely. Is, is, that a good, is that a good take? Yeah, him, GP2, Draymond. We had a lot well, of great uh, yeah, defenders. 
so it's hard to pick but he was definitely saying he's number two i don't think is too controversial he was great especially in the playoffs he absolutely was oh he's our second best player i think oh 100 he was on tatum in the finals Uh, he uh, what was he on before he was on um guarding luca too he was guarding luca exactly john moran gave us issues but unfortunately, no one did give us issues. <laughs> but, but my point is, most of the time, almost every time, Wiggins was on their best guy, on their yeah. number one scorer, and he did good. He did so good. Did he make an all he defensive did so team? Good. I don't know I, if he did. I don't think he did, but, but he's, he's definitely on their radar now. Yeah, definitely because is because of that postseason performance. Yeah, no, I remember from last season when they started out and he got the nickname from everybody else as like two-way wigs. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. like, okay, is this going to keep up? And it totally did. I think you're totally right. We got him for a bargain. If he wanted to, I think he could have gotten at least what Poole's contract was. It was like $30 million a year. Mm-hmm. Of, I guess not totally guaranteed money, of course. But maybe even if Wiggins signed something like $32, $33 million a year, or got maxed out by somebody, I would have sort of tipped my hat and been like, well, you played yourself into that contract. Well done. Um, so I think you're right. The totally. contract we have him on now is great. And one of the things I did want to get to from the game is watching the beginning of the season. You know, we're seeing a lot of lineups we've never seen because Moody's getting more minutes. Kaminga's getting mm-hmm. more minutes. Wiseman is getting a lot more minutes. We didn't even see him last season. And the one thing I think that's tough is that the team wants to prioritize having these players get on the court, the youngsters, have them grow in the regular season, and they'll be prepared to contribute come playoff time, right? But I think it might be harder for them to really grow on the court when you have Steph Curry, Draymond, Poole, all these other stars sharing the floor with you. I feel like it might be hard for them to grow because you kind of have to defer as well when you're on the court. Whereas when you're growing young guys, usually they're just the star and it's all right, whatever happens, win or loss, you go get your touches, get as many Mm -hmm. touches as you can take as many shots as you can. Cause two to three years from now, those reps are going to help you become one of the top two, top three players on our team. That's going to bring us a championship, but you can't grow players that way. And so I was kind of going to ask you, what are your thoughts on the early season, early season growth you've seen from some of the young guys? And what do you think about the sort of two timeline plan right now? Um, I think you're right about the kind of like the baptism by fire approach where you're, you're putting so much pressure on these young guys and they end up being good because they're the go-to guys. Uh, we we kind of saw that happen with Jalen Green last season with the Rockets. He started off, pretty pretty choppy yeah but by the end of the season he was a good player he he's a good player now uh and that kind of jump was made possible by him being the guy and like you said the youngsters on our team aren't the guy they're like rotation pieces yeah and um and i do think that they maybe won't i guess have to get good super fast because of that or like acclimate to being number one options because you eventually expect that from these players right 
that one day Kaminga will be a first or second option on a team because yeah. he's really talented. And but I do think it'll still help them grow, albeit at a different rate, I suppose. Right. Yeah. No, yeah, I definitely think they can still grow. I guess what I'm wondering, or my question is for like the sort of as the season goes, is is it going to be sustainable? Are we going to see growth fast enough for this team to have rotation pieces in the playoffs? I think Dante mm. opportunities where you never want any player to get injured, but injuries always happen within the season. We have Dante DiVincenzo, who was out for the Suns game because of his right hamstring injury. And I think that things like that happening are what will allow perhaps Kaminga and Moody and people like that to sort of grow a little bit faster. Hopefully clay getting ejected in this game um, allowed Moody to play 25 or so minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, no, I think that's a good take. It can definitely still happen. I mean, when I think of Jason Tatum, you know, he wasn't the go-to guy in his rookie season until the playoffs. And then, of course, mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving went down and somehow that Celtics team made it to the Eastern Conference Finals and took LeBron seven games. Uh, but, you know, he was still able to grow throughout the season through being a more rotational piece. Of course, Tatum is maybe more of a generational talent than any of the players we've drafted. <laughs> but I think it can. not That's an example of it. Like you can progress throughout the season a little slower and peak at the right time at the end. Um one thing I am a little bit, it's not a big concern, but Wiseman, I feel like the Warriors have wanted an athletic center for so long to throw alley-oops to that they're almost over-eager <laughs> to throw them to Wiseman. There were a couple of plays this game where I feel like Draymond was throwing alley-oops that it felt like Wiseman maybe should have been able to finish, but I don't know. It just seems to the ball slips through his hands a lot when rolling mm. to the rim. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I feel like that happens a couple of times a game. Um, But other than that, I've been impressed by him. I think he's done a great job rolling and setting screens and playing within the offense, much compared to his rookie season. But what have your what have your thoughts been on Wiseman so far? And and uh, you mentioned the alley oops. Like it's really fun when when they work. Like when you see his like putbacks, those are really fun. Uh, So I I love Wiseman. I think it's a little silly if if people give up on him after like two seasons because he was a second overall pick and like yeah this is not true for everyone but there's a lot of good players in the league that took a while to get going like Joel Embiid is a top three player for like the last two seasons and he took a while to get going uh Steph Curry took a while to get going although his was mainly injury based I mean all these three guys have injuries in common right right Uh, Wiseman Embiid Curry early in his career so I think uh, I, I love his development. Um, I think he's still ramping up to be. Uh, actually, I was wondering something. Do you think he'll end up starting for us at any point this season? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, you know, my hope is yes, because I think that means yeah. the two timeline plan is really working. My mm-hmm. actual answer, I think, is no, just because Looney knows the warrior system so well he was there for the 2015-16 season which is when i was in like seventh grade so he's been there forever 
So he knows like all the ins and outs of how to get Steph and Clay open, where to set screens, how to work with Draymond when Draymond has like seven feet of open space in front of him because people want him to shoot the three ball. So I think Looney will stay the starter. Maybe Kerr will start Wiseman in spots, but I don't think he'll become the starter. I think Looney played his way into a sort of solidified starting role until like truly proven that Wiseman's the better option for them at all times, which I think that's probably a year or two out is my guess. Probably. But I hope Wiseman gets there. I hope he gets there because I'm a fan of him too. Um, yeah, I'm right right there with you with, with what I think Looney's so important. Like Looney's actually one of the unsung heroes of, of this team, I think. Like last year he showed in the playoffs, he's an undersized big and he still was – getting boards with a couple of games. He had like an absurd amount of rebounds. Uh, I don't remember what the exact numbers were, but, but obviously Wiseman is super talented. He could be a a max guy. Like if he lives up to his hype and I eventually want to see him starting, but uh, I would also probably agree that he will probably be starting this year. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no, I think that's what will happen. Who knows, though? Who knows? Um, Who knows? Maybe he becomes insane. <laughs> could happen. Could happen. I mean, he's only played 50 NBA games, a little less than 50. So he's still definitely in that growth period. He hasn't even finished a full mm-hmm. year of games, if you're thinking of it as a full 82-game season. How much – this is sort of switching gears here, but how much do you believe in the Suns now? Devin Booker's had a really hard, hot start. I think people were too low on the Suns to begin the season because there's, there's like, this is like kind of an all sports thing, I think. There's like an offseason bias. Like, whoever has the best offseason makes the shiniest new additions, is like touted as the next big team. And while certainly that like happens a lot of times, like teams make a big acquisition and they become really good because of it. But what that ends up doing is we underrate teams that were good and mostly remained the same. And the Suns were a really good regular season team last year. They were the one seed and they kept all their guys. Like they essentially are rolling out the same team, Sure, they may have problems again in the playoffs, but I think they will still be a good regular season team because they kept book that that was they have book C Paul. Yeah, they have they kept Aiden. They have uh, their guys for sure. They have Mikhail. The, the yeah, the, the team is there. Down. Their team is totally there. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they grabbed the one seat again. I it could happen for sure. I think I don't really like them though. I don't like them either. They feel <laughs> like, like they feel very much like a Chris Paul led team, which I yeah, mean, I'm I, just a Warriors fan. So I don't, you know, I don't like Chris Paul, the basketball player. I, I really enjoyed Moses Moody in like the fourth quarter last night, like doing the swipe out move where mm-hmm. he's on the three point line and there's no way he's going to shoot him. Paul was on him and he swiped under his arm to get that BS like three point foul. Yeah. And I was just like, yes, somebody please give him a taste of his own medicine. Uh, his own medicine. Exactly. He's been doing yeah. that for years. <laughs> no, he's such a good player, but I also just like, 
hate him as a basketball player. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, me too. But we'll see. I'm yeah. definitely biased against the Suns um, when it comes playoff time. Like I probably mm-hmm. objectively, they have a pretty legit chance to go to the NBA finals, but I just do not believe in a Chris Paul team unless Devin Booker keeps up shooting like over 50% from three and 50% from the field while also averaging 33, which is what he's doing right now. So uh, he is, hats off to him. A really hot start, but I don't think it'll sustain personally. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not it's... a big diva guy either, which is totally <laughs> irrational. I can't give you a good reason, <laughs> but I, I no, think it's too. just the fact that he's, I think it's just the fact that he's associated with the Suns. Yeah. And so yeah. I have like a, biased opinion on him but i also think it's crazy to maintain 50 percent from three yeah especially no, he like can't. only like shoot. kyle corver has done that i think maybe kyle yeah. corver and steve kerr um yeah so much like specialists three-point yes. specialists yes absolutely. and that's not what book is oh. um but yeah. uh i think oh go ahead go ahead oh no no, no you're good you go i want to hear your thought uh you you mentioned the suns potentially being the one seed and I can see that happening. I, I think the best teams in the West that have a shot at the one seed are probably the, the Clippers, like the, that's like the popular thing to say with how much depth they have. Uh, the Warriors, if we figure it out defensively, although I'm not too worried if we don't get one seed, I no, think this team is built for playoff runs. Uh, and um, Grizzlies, Grizzlies, Maybe. yeah, um, I would. They look really solid as a unit. Definitely, I'm pretty high on the Grizzlies. I thought they were gonna take us seven games if John Morant didn't get hurt last season. Um, I, him, and LeBron, and a handful of other players. There's only a handful of players that I genuinely fear so much late in the fourth quarter. But with John Morant, for some so reason, good. against the Warriors too, he does it against a bunch of teams. But specifically us from that play and loss that happened to last year's yeah. series, I will always fear John Morant in the fourth quarter. He just has the Warriors number. So he's yeah. so good. I he love John Morant. Me too. Uh, he's great. Um, of course, we have the Zoom. Like the, I always forget this happens where Zoom will like ha- end after 40 minutes. So it's pretty <laughs> cool. What I might do is I might end this and then the recording will save and then I'll invite you to a new one. Okay, quick break time here, ladies and gentlemen. Just want to shout out Neosan's Twitter. It's at N-E-E-Y-A-S-U-H-N. Title is Ambivalent Niners Fan. He's always got great commentary on Bay Area sports. Go give him a follow there on Twitter. If you want to keep up to date with the podcast, you can follow me at SJ Radio. That's with a zero at the end. Okay, break over back to the podcast okay everybody we're back after a quick break i'm still here with Niasan. we are going to shift gears now from warriors basketball and i'm going to ask Niasan. i have a question for you you know what it is it's of course still so so early in the season but if you had to just Put a guess out right now. Who, if you had to bet money on a team, who would you take advancing to the finals out of the Eastern Conference? What team do you think is going to be able to do that? I think I will go with a boring 
option and pick the Bucks. <laughs> yeah. I they're so good in the regular season and they've been so good for so long. They have the same team they've had. It's like a tried and true. And I think last year they would have made the finals if Middleton didn't get hurt. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Bucks. Yeah. No, I also am definitely on the Bucks bandwagon. I have been <laughs> for a while now. I I don't know. I think there's some mutual respect between Bucks fans and Warriors fans a little bit because definitely. both of our teams are more homegrown. They feel a lot like the Warriors of the Eastern Conference, even though Giannis Antetokounmpo is like the antithesis of what Stephen Curry is on a basketball floor. Totally. Um, totally. But the, he's a transcendent star nonetheless. So it makes sense. But I also have the Bucks coming out of the East. I think the Celtics could do it too. Um, for, sure. for sure. You never know what will happen. Those are very good. How things break. But yeah, I definitely also have the Bucks. It's going to be fun. The East is... The East has so many exciting teams um, and compared to a couple years ago, it was not that way. So I'm excited. Yeah. The, there's just in general, uh, there's so many, so many exciting teams. I feel like there are more exciting teams right now than I can remember. Like yeah. in a long time, like the Pelicans look really exciting. Uh, uh, what else? Timberwolves I mean, the, have. Timberwolves look core. really exciting with, crazy core uh the raptors have a really underrated core i think with uh scotty and like siakos maybe taking another leap um but there's just so many exciting teams no totally you have the hawks too with the Dejounte murray trade everybody is so talented it's very exciting i think I'm waiting for one of the young stars and their teams to become one of the best teams in the league. I think when that happens, that's when the Curry, LeBron, KD era will officially end. It's hanging on by a thread. LeBron, unfortunately, is still great, but his <laughs> team is I am I'm genuinely sad for LeBron James. I never thought this would happen, but I've become just a sad LeBron fan. Because it's like so nostalgic to see him in the playoffs, to see his career end here with this team that is just constructed horrifically for a LeBron James basketball team. You want to prioritize (laughs) three-point shooting and you'll like hear on the broadcast. So they'll be like, you know, they got this guy, Matt Ryan from the G League (laughs) because of his three-point shooting. He went 11 of 34 in the preseason. And I heard that, I was like, that's league average. That's literally league average. And he's making the team because he shoots 34% from three. That's how desperate they are. Oh my gosh. It's I could so sad to see. It's, I feel like it's like heresy to say that you're a LeBron fan as a Warriors fan, right. but I am as well. I'm a huge LeBron fan. Uh, so it's just so ridiculous. It's probably the worst constructed team in, in basketball. Like, yeah. Not, not counting the teams that are obviously tanking, like yeah, the Thunder or you know the Spurs, uh, the Lakers are a win now team that have <laughs> a horrendous roster. Oh, I know <laughs> it's so bad. It's you watch the lineup, you watch them play, and it is 
Oh man. And then you look at the box score and you're like, Oh, LeBron had 28, eight and eight efficiently. So, you know, that, <laughs> you know, LeBron's taken a step back of course, cause he's, well, he's 38 years old. He's Obviously. still a human being, even though he doesn't feel like it most of the time. So I hope that in some way he can have one last run. I feel like the warriors like Steph and LeBron need one more series. I need one more series between the two. I would love to see uh, one happen. It'd be so great. And, like you just said about him being 38, he's been playing so well for so long that people are kind of desensitized to how this shouldn't be happening. Yes. You should not be this good when you're 38 years no. old. I know. People are, <laughs> uh, people are like down on LeBron, but he almost led the league in scoring last year. That alone. In year 19. Yeah, I know. That's it's ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, no, I think you can be a LeBron fan if you're a Warriors fan. I feel like this makes sense as like a trajectory of like LeBron used to be the Warriors biggest rival. Now, mm-hmm. unfortunately you see him just like fighting for the 12th seed and you can't <laughs> help but feel bad because, you know, as connected as you are to the Warriors succeeding and maybe like, you know, Steph Curry building his legacy and whatnot. Mm-hmm. It's, it's still so sad to see that you want him to be in the mix of things. So I don't know. I'm rooting for him. Uh, like what one last word yeah, but yeah. it feels like he's not even getting a chance anymore because he's not even making the playoffs like you know not even the plan they, they literally let the top 10 seeds have a shot at it now and not even the plan <laughs> i know i know it's heartbreaking our, our thoughts our thoughts warriors nation at least some of warriors nation go out to lebron there are definitely some people who yeah are some of us i think don't like yeah. him that much but we do at least Warriors fans are kind of the worst in a lot of ways especially on Twitter oh my goodness Twitter is Twitter is so frustrating sometimes but I mean you take it as what it is you know like yeah with all the trolls and people that will just say any opinion conceivable is on Twitter 100% some of them are horrendous you should plug your Twitter for, for people to oh, follow. Oh, yeah, guys. I have a I have a Twitter account that I just, like, tweet about sports on, uh, mostly football and basketball. Uh, it is N-E-E-Y-A-S-U-H-N. It's, uh, the name is Ambivalent Niners Fan at the moment, but it changes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, if you guys are interested in – my takes about basketball or football or occasionally baseball because Aaron judge is like a possibility now yes. for the giants. Yes. Uh, you can follow me, but uh, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, it's that's, fun. No. Yeah. Uh, go, go follow him. Go follow him. If you've listened this far, go give him a follow on Twitter. I follow him. He's got great tweets, a good live tweeter. If you're watching the game, you'll go on Twitter. You'll see he's got some good thoughts on the game. Go give him a follow. I'm on the app way too much. Um, Yeah, I know. Me too. too. (laughs) Um, Well, I'm going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for coming on, Niasan. I think we'll do this again if you want to come on again during the season to reflect on the Warriors' title defense. Um, Hopefully. And we'll talk soon. Oh, yeah. There's the episode concluded. 
I hope you enjoyed. This was episode two of The Flagrant, covering the Golden State Warriors title defense. Special thank you to Niasan for coming on and providing some great commentary. He'll definitely be on again. Again, his Twitter is at N-E-E-Y-A-S-U-H-N. Please go give him a follow. And I hope you have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your week. Happy early Halloween. Might have some more stuff here for you on the SJ Radio podcast channel over the weekend. We shall see. But regardless, have a good one, folks. I'll talk to you again soon.